Um, we are beginning our year in a way I think that is really honoring to God. This is a, a giving a whole week of prayer, making sure that we spend some time recharging, refocusing, and allowing our hearts to commune with God, concentrated. And so I just wanted to put your attention to a few things. Um, the first is, there is a little handout that's come uh, with... Uh, when you entered with your bulletin. Um, and there's a few things that we really want to help you uh, to be able to help engage in prayer. And there's a, a number of different ways. The, the first way is that we are praying every day, every hour, covering this off. And so as a congregation, we're just asking that you might take a moment to, to maybe uh, meet with Nancy at the back. And there's a, we actually have a, an iPad here. We can sign you up right here, right now, for a slot on the prayer list. So we're trying to cover every hour of this week so that people in our church are praying. I know some people are getting up at 3 a.m. and such like that, but there's other times that are open as well. So please, if you have any time this week to, to help join us, that would be an amazing way for us to, as a family, make sure that we are covering this entire week with prayer. Another thing is that we are having a gathering every week. We made it really easy. It's going to be at seven o'clock. So tonight there's going to be kind of a kickoff. We'll be praying for the leadership and for the vision of the church. So if you can join us then, that would be excellent. Tomorrow, uh, we are going to be gathering at next door and we will be gathering at seven o'clock and we'll be going on a prayer walk to pray for the mission that we have there in Aldershot. On Tuesday for our neighborhoods, our networks. On Wednesday, we're going to be praying for the emerging generations, the youth groups and, and the children. On Thursday, it'll be the global missions uh, prayer time to pray for our missions. And then finally, on Friday, we're going to really ask everyone to consider trying to come out on Friday. It's going to be a concert of prayer, kind of our, our wrap up to the entire uh, week of prayer to kind of kick us off as a church together in a way that will hopefully really glorify the Lord to help prepare us for what he has for us. A couple other ways that we can connect. Uh, there's a prayer booklet. I think it's actually printed out at the back if you don't, uh, if you don't uh, do electronic style. So it's the green one at the back. Um, but it should be on your email. I think every week, you're gonna, every day you're going to be getting an email as well that you will be able to uh, help you, assist you in praying. And that will also help connect to that, that prayer booklet as well. And finally, there is a FV blog that every day you can go to the, the free uh, the Force View website, and you'll be able to see actually that there is a blog that'll help you as well to pray along with that. So hopefully you are as excited as I am about uh, prayer this week, because I, I do believe when I knew this as a tradition of the church, it really excited me, because I do believe that prayer is actually the lifeblood of the church, that prayer is actually the heartbeat of your faith. This week has been really interesting for me, um, as I've been reflecting on prayer uh, we've had a, a bit of a, an issue with our, our well water for a while. And if you know, I've moved to the Mill Grove area. For some reason, we're not connected to city water, so we're on our well, and we're trying to figure out how that works. It was working really well until um, basically it started getting a little bit colder, and then all of a sudden our, our water started smelling, you know, a bit of a smell. So we called in people, and they came in, and they, uh, they first of all, they chlorinated our hot water tank, and then, oh, finally, it smelled good again, and we were excited. And then that water tank, uh, again, started smelling a little bit. And we're like, oh, man, this is kind of annoying. So we got some other stuff kind of come in, try to fix things up. Um, and it went away, and then it came again. And I just want to say, gentlemen, smelly water is the worst thing for your wife. Because <laughs> when you're, you're taking a shower, it makes her almost gag. That's a bad thing, right? Usually it's the opposite. When you don't shower, you make her gay. But this is, the, the smell was so powerful, like a sulfury kind of smell. So we finally got someone in to bring in a big water infiltration system. That's that big, that silver one there. And uh, this is supposed to take care of the problem. 
It's going to help clean things up. And if you notice, there's a number of different things. We have UV lights. There's carbon filters. There's another filter behind that one. There's a water softening system. There's an entire filtration system to help make it so that I can drink water. My kids can have normal, healthy water. When I thought about this filtration system and the kind of angst it's been causing us over the last couple of weeks, it really made me think, actually, we also need to filter everything that comes into our environment. Just like my groundwater needs to be filtered to take out the toxins and the sulfur and even harmless bacteria that might end up with a smell. There's the sense in which our own lives, the, the wellsprings of our heart, we'll say, they need a filtration system. And we actually are supposed to be constantly seeing the things that are coming to us in our lives being filtered out through prayer. That our time with God is a filter that's constantly cleaning our hearts, scrubbing our, our minds, and slowly but surely helping take out the toxins that will come in to our heart. And in fact, just like this system's always there, it's, it's always actually running in the background. You might not realize it, but you are praying right now. Now, why do I say that? Well, one of the things that makes me say that is that the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. Now, that sounds like an incredible request, doesn't it? Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. If you think about it, it's like, God, why are you giving me uh, something I cannot do? I go to sleep. I have to get up and take a shower. I have to help my kid. Like, I can't just sit there on my knees all day just praying. So does the Bible give us some type of ridiculous command just to kind of make us feel guilty all the time? Or is there something else going on here? with pray without ceasing. Before we begin, I want to jump into the, the background to this scripture. Because I think that uh, often I'll take big chunks of scripture, and we'll open that up. Sometimes probably a little bit too big. Some people think like big chunks of scripture, right? But sometimes you can take three words from scripture, and you can take forever to unpack it. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take pray without ceasing. We're going to unpack it and use scripture to help do that. But in the meantime, I want to kind of give us a little bit of context. What's happening in Thessalonians is that Paul is kind of giving his final exhortations. Here's some things I want you to, to remember and do. And he's kind of just like a list of all the things. It's almost like when you're, if you're going away on vacation, you want to leave a list for, oh, you got to do this and this and this. And here's what it says. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So this is the context. This is like, here's a litany of the ways in which you're supposed to live out your life. And each one is like power packed. I mean, I love that the, those who numbered the Bible, the, num the numbers are not original to the Bible. They were inserted afterwards. When they numbered the Bible, they wanted one verse to be three words long. Pray without ceasing. 
to stop and to focus and to think about that. What does that mean, to pray without ceasing? To begin, what is prayer? How would you define prayer? There's a lot of questions that come up that I would basically say, I believe that prayer is communion with God. It is, it's a conversation with God. It's talking with God. Notice I didn't say talking to God. Because I think it's talking with God. Because it's not just talking to God. It's also hearing from God. It's a conversation that goes more than one way. And I, and I do believe we can pray without ceasing because I believe that we're always talking to ourselves, we're always thinking, we're, our minds are always going. And I think that's, in a sense, this idea that when we're asked to pray without ceasing, it's helping us rethink what we mean and what we think about prayer. When we talk about prayer, we're, we're talking to God, giving him all our supplications, all our questions, all our ideas, our dreams, our, our wishes, our fears, our angers, our frustrations. Yesterday when we... A lot of us were at Julia Bear's funeral, and she had little video clip bits. And, and I thought it was amazing when she started talking about talking to God and just that honesty. Like when you're struggling, suffering, with this disease, to be able to just say to God, whatever's on your heart, to be completely honest with him. That's a hard thing for us to do sometimes. And I think the Psalms show it to us, but sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. Like some of the Psalms say some pretty dark things. You're like, whoa, like... Break the teeth of enemies. And you're thinking, what? We're told to pray for enemies, and we are. But what I think it's showing us is that you give God all that stuff. Anything that you have, if you're already feeling it, share it to God. God, this is the way I'm feeling. I know maybe I shouldn't feel this way, but here it is. And then it's listening to God. And I know that makes us uncomfortable as well, or some of us. How do, what do you mean, listen to God? I know I have non-Christian friends who think it's crazy when you talk about talking to God or thinking you heard from God. They're like, you're insane. That's what crazy people say. And yet in Scripture, it talks about somehow the Holy Spirit speaks to us in that still, small voice. There's a sense in which the Lord can kind of speak to us, and we listen. And that's what habits of the heart are all about, to be able to attune ourselves to that voice. It's not an easy thing, and you can mistake it for your own voice. What is prayer? Well, I, I love this quote from the book by Foster on the spiritual disciplines. He says, prayer is to religion what original research is to science. It's investigative. When you're praying, you're experiencing, you're learning, you're learning about God. This is the material in which you get to know more about God. You're doing your research. You're learning. You're gathering up what God is doing in your life and what he wants for you. And you're living in light of reality because if there is a God, if there truly is a creator of all the universe, and he wants to talk with you. He made you because he loves you. So that's the why of prayer. Talk about what prayer is. The why of prayer is that you are to be in communion with God that you're actually supposed to be spending time with the one who created you, that he loves you so much that he wants to spend time with you. Right? If you think about it, is that, that that much to ask? He's already here, actually. He's there with you. Why not just acknowledge his 
existence. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, hey, God, I know you're there. Acknowledging him and learning to live in, inside of that. And the funny thing to me is that as Christians, and I think about my own self, I, I have to say, this is something that I am always trying to get back on track. My prayer life is one of the easiest things to get derailed, isn't it? Science tells us that prayer is powerful. Did you know that? Science tells us that prayer is powerful. I went to uh, psychology today, uh, and they gave five things that science is telling us about prayer and what it does for us. It kind of blew me away. I mean, we always hear it talked about, right? And you have the, you know, all the yoga people, and you hear this idea of like meditation. And, but this is actually, they've done scientific experiments to demonstrate the effectiveness of prayer. The first thing that prayer does is prayer helps improve self-control. Oh, that seems to be a fruit of the Spirit. Strange coincidence. What they did was they did these studies where they would kind of give you tasks, like don't think about negative things or don't concentrate on this, and, and they would give these, these, they do these experiments. And then they tell some people, pray before you do it. Whether they're religious or not, you got to pray for five minutes before you go about trying to accomplish this task. What happened was, when they prayed for five minutes before the task, they were much better at being able to control themselves and to, to accomplish the task. Ah, oh, it's amazing. This is a scientific experiment saying, hey, you want to have self-control? Pray. Now, their answer was, why did it work? And they're trying to figure it out. They're thinking, oh, they believe it has something to do with uh, social interaction because they realize that self-control is, is always better in so social things with groups of people. So if you pray, it's kind of like you are in a social relationship, so it's going to help you. They're, they're theorizing. Maybe the answer is there actually is a God who listens to your prayers and helps you. The second thing that prayer does is prayer makes you nicer. Kindness, fruit of the Holy Spirit. Who would have thought? If you pray, it makes you less aggressive towards people. Isn't that interesting? I know sometimes I have to say, help me, Lord, before I enter the kids' room to take care of things. So maybe I should take a little bit more time on that one. It makes you kinder to spend time in prayer. Prayer makes you more forgiving. Interesting. Think about Jesus. How is he ever able to say, forgive them, they don't know what they do? It's probably because he's on his knees crying blood before it all happened. It makes you more like Jesus to pray. You actually become more forgiving. You're more willing to, to forgive your partners. And they, they talk about this for, for marital relationships. Praying. It's actually really important. Another thing that prayer does, according to science, is prayer increases trust. Prayer builds community. When you pray with someone, when you sit with them and you spend time with them, have you ever done that with someone's a brand, like a stranger? Come out of, you come in, just kind of walk into a church, there's a prayer circle, you get in the prayer circle, you start praying, and somehow you feel more connected to that person, you don't even really know them. 
just by praying together. Spend time praying with people that you love, your, your, your small group and your friends. The, the tightness that comes in that. I was just thinking about, again, with Julia, Julia's funeral yesterday, there was a couple of times where groups of people came up, they were prayer circles with her. And they were tight, and you could feel their love, and it was true. Why? Because they spent time together seeking the Lord for one another. Prayer builds community. You want a strong church, a loving church, a caring church that cares for one another? Let's pray together. And finally, the one that usually gets cited, I wanted to save it to last, prayer affects the negative aspects of stress. If you pray, you can take away all, or maybe not all, but you, you help filter, we'll say, you help filter that stress that's coming into your life. Your job, kids, health issues, all the anxiety that's coming at you from all different aspects in your life, relationship issues, all those things can be filtered through prayer and helps take away some of the adverse physical effects of stress. It's amazing to me that we have some, a physical problem and a psychological problem called stress enters our mind and comes out in our bodies, causing disease, sickness, fatigue, all these things. And there's a solution, which is a spiritual solution, which is to spend time communing with God. The more time you pray, the more the stress goes away. This is what science is telling us. This is what your new age coworker is plugging into and going, oh, I'm going to meditate. And I'm going to say that some of these things are, are, are talking about are actually praying to a person, which is different than just meditating on nothingness. There's something that comes when you talk to God like he is a person. It actually changes and affects you in very palpable ways. So we're supposed to pray. And then it says how we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. And this becomes the difficult part. Is it just hyperbole? And it could be. Right? You can say the same thing. Rejoice always. Oh, I don't. Or is there a way to have joy in the midst of mourning? Pray without ceasing. It could be just being pray a lot, as much as you can. I definitely don't think it's there to help make you feel more anxiety. It's not there to make you feel guilty that you're not a good enough Christian because you're not praying enough. I believe that prayer without ceasing is there because it's trying to teach you that prayer is life. Your life is a prayer. Oh, you're halfway there. Oh, oh. You are living a prayer. Your life is a living prayer. And there's different ways that can be talked about through Scripture. You can pray without ceasing because as you live, you go about your life, you are praying. The first thing is, I think, when we talk about praying without ceasing, is to recognize that this is just part of our being, our being praise. Very specifically, even our, our physical being. You think about what happened when we were created. It says that, that God breathed into us. And we have respiration, spirits in there, right? Breath and spirit are connected. And what's really amazing to me is that in the scripture, in, in Psalm 156, it says, Let every breath praise the Lord. This was in the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation. There are other versions that say, let everything that has breath. Let every breath praise the Lord. Ah. 
Hallelujah. You're praising God as you breathe. Or you can let it be a prayer. So you hear about breathing exercises and you think, oh, I don't know about that stuff. It's kind of mystical, weird. Breathing is actually a spiritual reality. There's something about breathing. If you allow it to, it lets every breath praise the Lord. It's funny, we always hear about prayer as part of a spiritual warfare, right? It was very interesting to me. I have a friend who is really into Tai Chi and other kind of martial arts. Um, and as you know, Tai Chi is very tied to Buddhism, and he's, he's kind of gone down that, that path. But um, it was interesting. He came to me one day. He's like, Cyril, I've been doing this new thing um, with some from Russians uh, called Sistema. And Sistema is a, kind of this Russian martial art where they took all the, the different martial arts and they created their own system. And one of the things they, they took on was the, the Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox prayer, the idea of let every breath praise the Lord, became part of their, their martial arts. And, and they had these masters in Sistema that could breathe, and you could punch them as hard as you wanted, and it, it, it wouldn't hurt them because they, they mastered the breathing techniques as part of their martial arts. Don't worry, the sermon's not hacked by the Russians. I just kind of... <laughs> But I just thought that was really interesting, this, the idea that there's something about your breathing, your physical breathing, that can be part of you praying. So every breath never ceases to praise God. Why don't you praise God as you're breathing consciously? Another thing I think about when I think about praying is our, our thinking, our thought. And I think I mentioned this before. Um, when I talked about this about a year ago, uh, I believe that thinking itself is a conversation with God. That you are supposed to be always in communion and meant to talk to God. That's what thinking is. And we were definitely told that our thinking can become prayer. In the book of Joshua, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according all what is written on it. It's a very specific type of meditation, meditation on the word of God. But this idea of day and night, having your thoughts saturated in the thoughts of God. And the more we're able to do that, the more we are praying without ceasing, allowing God's word just to be part of who we are. It says in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And as your mind is renewed in Jesus, the more and more your very thoughts are active prayers. Not just passive prayers. Do you think you're always talking with God? Do you, you know he's listening in, right? When you're thinking, he's there. He's hearing every word and every thought. That's why he talks about if you think it, it's a sin. but we're able to discern the perfect and good will of God as he makes our thinking more and more and more in line with him. Thirdly, we, keep, we can pray without ceasing with our doing, how we, how we act, what we do, how we live our lives. Often we think of prayer as the opposite to the active life, right? We think of the contemplative life and the active life, and prayer is kind of a separate thing. We run to our closet, get to pray, charge up, and then go to our active life. And I do think there's something very special about those times alone, and we're going to have talk about space for God. There's definitely a very powerful thing about taking that time alone to God. But we have to realize our doing is also part of prayer. Our doing is also part of our life with God. 
In Romans 12, 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your body can be offered to God. Your body is prayer. It's part of prayer. What you do with your body is worship and sacrifice and prayer. Recognize as you go about your, your days, you are praying with your hands as you make dinner. Praying with your hands as you type away on your keyboards. Everything you do should be caught up in God. It is caught up in God. Fourthly, a way that we are ceaselessly praying is in our feeling, in our heart, and how we, we live our lives. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your might. Prayer is a position of the heart. It's an attitude of the heart. It's a habit of the heart. And we're going to have Cole, uh, at the end of this series, going to kind of sum, sum this up with what you are, what you love. How you feel and what you love is part of your prayer. And so that's why we're talking about offering these feelings up to God, giving them to him, whatever you feel, making sure they're part of your prayer to him. And finally, part of praying without ceasing is a very special gift that's given to those who believe in Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit of God. When you come to believe and trust in God, you are indwelt by his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit, it says, is praying on your behalf. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For you do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You don't know how to pray? You don't have the words to say to God? You're just like, uh, sit there with God. Allow your heart to open and, and let the Spirit of God offer up your heart to him. Give him those times where you can receive the Spirit of God with God himself and, and your spirit being caught up in that and being transformed. Now, this is going to take some human involvement still, i got to say. To really allow the Spirit to speak in that sense, just being open and letting him speak. We need to give the Holy Spirit time to, to work on our hearts and minds. But what this says to me is that prayer is all about becoming conscious of God at all times. That's the, the main thing that, about prayer. If you are, the more you become conscious of his presence, the more you are consciously praying. You, you are always praying subconsciously and just by being, by being and feeling and thinking and doing. There isn't a second that goes by that you're not doing one of these things. You're always existing. You're always thinking. You're always feeling. You're always doing something. This is always happening. And there isn't a second when the Holy Spirit of God isn't within you, conversing with you as well. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have to put specific times aside to pray. I actually think it means the exact opposite. You need to learn to, to do that so that you can start to see every moment as a prayer. It's very hard to keep yourself concentrating in God, isn't it? And I, I truly believe that many of you here 
are much more knowledgeable about prayer than I am. Simply because prayer is a practice. It's something that you've been doing for much longer than I have. And so your, your heart has had more time with God. You've, you, you've had the empirical experiment of prayer going on. It's a powerful thing if you think about this. But it's going to take habits. And we're we going to have to become people that have a habit of the heart where prayer is just our, our, our go-to. It's our standby. It's our default setting. Have you heard of Brother Lawrence? I think a lot of people have. Something about Brother Lawrence's story that I always resonate deeply with. Brother Lawrence was born in the 1600s. And he was French. He went to war for a little bit. And he eventually, at 18, he became a, a Christian. At 24, he entered into the monastery. Now, the, the problem that Brother Lawrence had was that he wasn't very intelligent. You've got to remember, monks have been educated for a long time, especially those who were in the monastery for a very young age. Very well educated. So he didn't find himself being one of the people who'd be able to be, you know, in the scriptorium or at the higher levels of teaching and things. So Brother Lawrence spent his days in the kitchen. And he just sat there for most of his life, scrubbing dishes. But there was something about Brother Lawrence. His character was very powerful. And people got to know him. They, saw, they sensed the Lord in him, and they kept coming to him. And he started getting more and more people coming to visit him, talking to him. Because what was happening, when he was doing his dishes, he was praying the whole time. Working away in the kitchen was the best thing for him as a monk. He's like, this is the, this is the top-notch spot to be a monk. Because now I can just have my hands busy, and my heart focused on God. As he developed this, he called it, called it practicing the presence of God. And it's a practice. It's not something you can just make happen. Now, I bet you some of you have gone through cycles of prayer. Have you gone, like me, where you're like, you've been praying for months at a time, really strongly, and you feel in the presence, and then, and then it kind of kind of can slip out of your fingers. You're like, wow, what happened? Practicing the presence of God is something that has to keep going. What's interesting is with Brother Lawrence is that this practice that he did, he ended up getting collected into a book and people wrote about him and he's really affected a lot of people. And one of the quotes they had about him, which I really appreciated, was he always had been governed by love without selfish views and having resolved to make the love of God the end of all of his actions, he had found reasons to be well satisfied with his method. That he was pleased when he could take up a straw from the ground for the love of God seeking him only and nothing else, not even his gifts. Could you imagine just picking something off the floor, so aware of God's presence that you are praising and loving him in that action? I'm a far away from there, but I want to be there. I want to practice this with you guys growing in prayer. He also, it says, that in order to form a habit of conversing with God continually and referring all we do to him, we must at first apply to him with some diligence. It's going to take some work, he's saying. Like when you, when you first get his, it takes diligence. But that after a little care, we should find his love inwardly excite us to it without any difficulty. That's interesting to me. That later in life, he just found it was just his natural position. His heart had been remade, so he found this more and more easy to make 
the presence of God part of his being. And later on in life, he started fixing shoes. He moved from the, the dishes to the shoes. But he still had that presence of God. And so these are the habits of the heart that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. We want to talk about how it is that we make our hearts form habits that allow us to practice the presence of God. And there's many different ways that this happens. And some are going to be more suited to some of you than other ones. The, the spiritual disciplines are often called. Talking and listening to God in different ways. When I think about this water filter treatment system, like I, like I said, there's a lot of different things. There's the water softener. There's the different uh, IV. There's the carbon. There's the sediment filter. There's, then there's this new monster filter that's supposed to do everything else the other ones don't altogether. And I started thinking about, and another thing that we have to do is we have to actually chlorine our water to kind of kill off that smell. And what I was thinking of is every once in a while, there's, you got to have that like strong, powerful, impactful way to kind of clean the system out, right? And I hope that's what this week of prayer is. Like a shock to the system, clean it out, kind of help filter everything that's been going through, get us ready to practice these habits through the rest of the year. And, and different filters will probably apply to different parts of our life and, and different people. But they're all forms of prayer. I do believe this. If you're talking about fasting, it's a form of prayer. Silence and solitude, form of prayer. Service, form of prayer. Stewardship, form of all, all of these habits are forms of prayer. Praying with your body, with your breathing. Praying with your mind, with all your heart. And so this is the thing. I think sometimes we think of prayer as separate from our normal life because we think of prayer as like we get down on our knees or in our favorite chair. It's a, it's a very specific posture, which I do think is helpful for those moments. But prayer is not going into a specific posture. I actually think prayer is your posture towards life. Prayer is how you are facing life, how you're oriented to life. It is it's a posture towards life as things come into you that you are relating them always back, filtering them always back to God. And that's something I did learn from Julia Baer this year. And I didn't know her really well, but the first time I got to know her story was this month, praying here for her, with you as a church. And uh, I connected with her on Facebook at one point, and we were talking a little bit, and it blew me away. Because I, I was been praying for her, and and her health, and, and she said, oh, I've been praying for you and Megan and your kids. And Megan and I were both, like, honestly floored by it because we're like, she doesn't, she doesn't know us, but she was praying for us. You can tell the vitality of someone's spiritual life by their prayer life. How, how are they connected to God? Because we can be doing and acting and faking lots of things, right? You can't fake prayer. You're either talking to God, he's talking to you, or you're not. Now, like I said, it's, it's very easy. All you have to do is realize, oh, my breathing is prayer. My doing is prayer. It's just a, a matter of realizing and communing with God while you do all these things. But I want to conclude with a Bible verse that Julia shared that was the theme verse of her last year at her funeral. Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. And that's my prayer for us this year. 
And this week, may we be faithful in prayer. So we've learned that prayer can take many forms, that our, our bodies are instruments of prayer, that we can pray with our bodies. And so I think it's really amazing what Christ did, that he decided that the thing he wanted to leave Christians with as the thing that they would regularly remember him with was eating. Something very physical as an act of worship, as an act of prayer. And so today, as we gather on the table, I just ask as you take a piece of the bread and, and, and hold the cup, and just take a moment to meditate on the presence of God. Maybe give him anything there that you need to give to him. And also take a moment to listen. As we said, this is, this is a harder thing, but to, to actually listen to his voice and receive that forgiveness, which we know prayer helps us forgive others. And I pray that our prayer through our bodies, with the blood and body of Christ, would be a conduit for us to be able to be conduits of his forgiveness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for his model of praying, going off and praying regularly in the dark of night. We thank you that you took bread and you said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins as often as you gather. That when we eat and drink of this cup, of this bread, we proclaim that Christ is Lord, that he loves us, and that we have a true and intimate relationship with God. So thank you for the ability to pray. We pray that we would pray more. In Jesus' name, amen.